Welcome to the very first episode of Reality TV on Record with me, your host, Ingram Noble. And this week, for our very first episode, I am joined by an X Factor finalist from all the way back in 2013. Please welcome to the podcast, Sam Callahan. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Hello. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm all right. Busy. Currently. <laughs> trying to deal with this storm that's currently going on up here yeah so. I'm, I'm so i'm sat in my car doing this podcast and i can feel it <laughs> moving the car <laughs> yeah we um our uni got closed yesterday early our uni was closed today hopefully we'll get another day off tomorrow but yeah i was gonna say that's isn't it uh, i mean we're kind of in rehearsals for our show so kind of need to be in but um yeah, it's all good. I, I'm happy for a lay-in. How are you doing anyway? I know that we're sort of getting back to life after a crazy couple of years. And how's everything going? Yeah, everything's great. Everything's good. Um, I am notoriously somebody by, to be honest, like by nature, somebody who, who juggles so much. Relatable content. Yeah, that was kind of uh, refreshing in the, um, in the pandemic to be like okay well I <laughs> I can kind of relax a little bit the pressure's off you know everybody's struggling to do the things that they want to do so I can relax um, and then everything's got back to normal and I've gone ah how do I do it all <laughs> <laughs> see I took on more during the pandemic because I, I think I just got so bored I was like right I'm gonna start a co- podcast I'm gonna write a play with my best friend I'm gonna put it on and we're gonna do all of this while we're not allowed to go outside <laughs> I, I did the same but I what I did was filled the time that I wasn't spending doing the things I usually do with new things. Yeah. But what I didn't calculate for is that when life got back to normal, I tried to do those new things and all the things I was doing beforehand. Mm. And then I was like, okay, there are literally not enough hours in the day for me. Yeah. um, I always say I need a couple more days in the week. My life was genuinely quite chilled before August last year. And then me and my friend wrote a play we put the play on. We're currently in rehearsals of the play. I'm doing podcasts and now I'm doing a degree. So that was fun trying to juggle all of those things. Blimey. Yeah. So you, you've been held busy. Oh, Just, I've uh... not slept in three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can, uh, I can imagine. Do you know what I find it? Do you get stressed? Um, and like, do you, do you find it hard to sleep when you're stressed? It, it's not so much that I get stressed. It's I live on my own. And but my friends come over quite often because we've he lives only lives across the road and we've bubbled up since the beginning of the pandemic. I know there's no need to anymore, but I'm just gonna still use that that term. So he comes over like every night and it kind of distracts me from the work that I've got to do. And then I get into bed and I'll go, I haven't planned the podcast I'm doing tomorrow. Fun. <laughs> and it's like two o'clock in the morning by the time I've settled down, got into bed, put shameless on Netflix, and I'm like, fuck like yeah and then I get up and I'm up till five o'clock in the morning then I'm like oh I've got uni in two hours that's fun <laughs> so I guess I guess are you somebody who sleeps late any anyway yeah I'm naturally like a late sleeper which is probably not good for you I, I think uh for, for me it tends to be like my mind is overactive so yeah I've got music I've got my my own racing I've got um, a business that I'm planning on starting at some point. 
um i've got my fitness and my personal training yeah my my gigs like my music releases um trying to keep my own self fit <laughs> yeah all of those things uh, and then i'm building a racing car for my corporate days for my sponsors in motor racing so um all of these things there is never ever something to that like time to just go oh, i'm just gonna go and watch this series um for me at the moment and i like doing stuff like that mm. so it's uh it's annoying but i'm finding at the moment that i i go to bed at probably like midnight or like one o'clock yeah and just before i'm going to bed i'm still sending emails or i'm still doing this or doing that and so when i go to bed my mind's not switching off for another like hour yeah so then i just lay there and i sort of go come on just go to sleep <laughs> yeah I'm terrible for emails, anything like that. I don't have, I think it's just the nature of the industry that we're sort of in, in the entertainment industry. There aren't your nine till five hours. Yeah. I think I emailed you back last night at about 11 o'clock or something. So I, I uh, got an email at half one or something. It was, oh yeah, but well, I, then, but yeah. I was like <laughs> usual, like, and I think I just fired one straight back off. Cause I'm like, I don't have an open and a close. And I'll be sat yeah. doing something with my friends and I'll be like, hold on, I've just got to email this person back. And they'll be like, we're at dinner. Can you put your phone down? <laughs> and I'll be like, no. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that's the sort of thing. And it's just, I struggled. All of my projects are on major scales. They're never just like, right. I'm going to do something on the side. It's like, no, I'm going to direct and produce a play. I'm going to do a Man, degree. You're like me, things by half. I, no. I, the other thing, I don't know about you, but when I have all of these different things on in one go, like I'm kind of carrying at the moment, um, I've, like tomorrow's my dad's birthday and we're all going out for the day. Uh, and I've been thinking about it since Monday, thinking, well, but I should be doing this and that and the other. And I like, I can't have time off, but that's yeah. ridiculous. Like you can't live Your like dad's that. As birthday. A yeah. You have to be able to breathe and, you know, go and socialize and <laughs> see the ones you love and everything else. And I, <laughs> I've been like it's a double-edged sword because I've been beating myself up going no no, no you can't have time off like you gotta do this but also going you idiot like yeah. chill out like everything's yeah. fine everything you're doing is going well just 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 let yourself have a minute <laughs> and then I don't know about you I'm my own boss so there's nobody telling me I have to do this shit no but so I don't know how you like everybody's wired differently. And some people, if they weren't their own, but you know, if they were their own boss, um, would just let themselves have every day off and then would yeah. probably never make the success of every, anything. But then, so I've, I've been there, I've done that. Um, and then I've, I'm now at the moment, I'm, I'm at a stage where so many things need doing. And the problem is they're all a priority. They're all important to me. So mm. I can't just sort of shove some down further down the list. Yeah. I have to just go, okay, well, there isn't enough hours in the day. So I have to wake up early, go to bed late and make hours in the day. <laughs> yeah. It was like um, the, other, the other day I was sorting out my diary. My diary is now full until June. I was like trying to figure out rehearsals for the show that I'm directing. And it just came down to the, the only day that week that we could rehearse was the Saturday, which happens to be my birthday. We're doing one till eight. And I was like, right, cool. And I just sent everyone a text and I was like, hey, bring me cake. Bring me cake. <laughs> That'll do. Yeah. Fantastic. But I, I want to talk to you. Obviously, we know you from The X Factor and just your music in general. I'm going to talk to you about that yeah. in a little bit. I want to talk to you because I, I find it really interesting to talk about people when they were younger especially people in the arts and industry. What was Little Sam like? Did you, when you were in school, was this what you wanted to do? Yeah, so genuinely, if when I was like eight years old, if you'd have asked me what I wanted to be, I, I'd have said either 
a pop star or a racing driver. That that was genuinely me. And now you're both. Yeah. Um, I have a very yeah, similar story. It was around the time yeah. um, Michelle McManus won X Factor, uh, Pop Idol, not X Factor. And I remember I wanted to work on the tills at Asda during the week. And I wanted to be a pop star at the weekend. Can't sing for shit. And like, I'm not going to work in Asda. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Um, no, I, I think, I mean, so I was talking to, to my mum about this the other day. And I said, it's funny because I went to like, uh, you know, a Saturday theatre school, if you like. And then I went to proper theatre school, um, you know, when I was 12, 13 um, in London. And it's funny because of the people that I surrounded myself with and the industry that I was naturally in being in that school, the circles around me all kind of were striving for similar things, wanted to be on stage, wanted to be, you know, people wanted to be famous. People wanted to be, um, you know, artsy, whether it was singing, dancing or acting or whatever. And in those circles, they were achievable dreams. They weren't things that were like, wow, everybody wants to do that. Yeah. You'll never get there. And so I actually saw being a singer or a pop star, like, well, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. It wasn't it wasn't a case of like, well, I'm going to try. It was like, okay, well, this is what I'm going to do. And then um, I didn't have the same circles with, with motor racing. Obviously, my dad raced cars um, since before I was born, but he stopped when I was born and didn't race again until I was about 13. But yeah, I think uh, I think at the time, so growing up from, you know, from when I was born to when I was about 13, I, I wasn't in those circles. I didn't really know much about it. I just knew that I enjoyed watching it on the telly with my dad. And But I did, one thing I did do was sit for hours and hours on end on the internet looking at the classified ads for racing cars thinking and my thought process was if i become a pop star and i make enough money being a pop star i can go and race cars <laughs> <laughs> so what, what actually happened was i became a pop star and didn't make enough money so i'm gonna go and try and race cars anyway <laughs> yeah <laughs> so so i want to i want to just quickly move forward slightly because i've got two very well, one very embarrassing story and one semi-embarrassing story that involve you. And right. I, I realized one of them, I totally forgot about it. I was definitely drunk because yesterday I was sort of doing my research and I was on your Instagram and I was looking and I was like, I'm just going to double check that I've never, because like I'm, I've been to your gigs and concerts and that, and I'm a fan. I was like, I'm just going to double check that I haven't ever sent a DM while I've been drunk and been a little bit too like fan girly. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Like, because I, so I, I clicked it. No, but I it reminded me of the embarrassing story. I don't know if you'll remember this. I was definitely drunk because it was at night time. I checked the time on the message. I was this. I didn't message you when I was fifteen, but when I was fifteen would have been around the same time you were on X Factor, and I went through my rebellious stage. We have something massively in common that we will have in common until the day we die. We have matching ass tattoos. <laughs> what do you mean matching? So you have the word crazy written in tribal writing on your ass. I have the word crazy written in tribal writing on my ass. What? <laughs> right. So here's the right, story. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Mine was for charity. What's your excuse? <laughs> I was going through a rebellious stage and this was the time that you were getting like a lot of publicity. I was at somebody's house who had a tattoo gun. I was scrolling through Instagram sort of wherever I was, saw it and just went that. That's what I want. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, so it. massively embarrassing story. And then the next one, you were it, at a gig in Glasgow. Painful, oh, bum, isn't it? Sorry? It's kind of painful on your bum. Very. 
Yeah, it was so painful. Apparently, you know, when like, I don't know why I know this, but I've been told that if you're stabbed in the bum, it's one of the most painful places and it's because there's so many nerve endings. So I assume that's why it hurts so much to be tattooed there. I am like, because I'm an actor, never, ever wanted tattoos. Like never, it's never been in like my plan. And, like I, I read, like, you replied, you were very lovely to the message, but you were probably like, what the fuck is this kid going on about? Um, yeah, we've got matching ass tattoos. So I just thought I'd let you and the world know and you can put a face. What did I say back? Because I'm not sure what I would say back if someone sent me that right now, I'd be like, you're nuts. So <laughs> it was it was quite a long message that I sent. Oh, okay. And you just put all caps. That is hilarious. Brilliant. Laughing face. And I just put, but if it makes you feel any better, mine is fucking awful. And you said, ha, ha, ha. We all do silly things. <laughs> Brilliant. Genuinely well, not encouraging people to get tattoos because I regret it because I was drunk and I was 15. And Well, hang on. Get tattoos if you want tattoos and oh, they're yeah. good tattoos. Yeah. Don't you, get you do tattoos. what you want, Don't, but don't make the same stupid mistakes that I did. By scrolling down Instagram going, that one, that's what I want. Yeah, literally. <laughs> but it has, like, it's gave us a few jokes. My mother calls me crazy ass. And so, you know, like, <laughs> I have to thank you for a few jokes out of it. Um, and then the second one was, I think the year before lockdown, you came to Glasgow and you were at Katie's and Katie's is ridiculously hot. And I was Very. front row stand sitting down. I was sitting, actually. I know what you're going to say. You were on stage actually doing something and you were getting through with it. I had to get up and get kitchen roll and sit at the table front row wiping myself i remember you pointed at me and laughed at me so i was like yeah that's cool it was so honestly one of the hottest gigs i've ever ever done i i can remember that to this day and um i'm actually talking to them again about doing another one um there but i i'm gonna need some air conditioning on my on my rider i need a great big fan on the stage please because that was so unbelievably hot yeah so I just thought I'd, I'd tell those two little stories so you can learn more about me and the mess of a life that I have. They're great. <laughs> and everybody else can be like, what the fuck is this kid on? <laughs> no, they're great. How has he managed to do this? Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's where, that's where I'm at in life. Um, I, I want to talk to you very quickly about um, The X Factor. Some of these reality TV shows, I don't know how it was back then, are very well known for, yeah, you can audition, but you're probably not going to get picked. Did you audition or were you scouted? I, both. So you get different kind of scouts. I have been told that there are people that are, that were in my year who got scouted and promised a position. I don't know what the source of that information is or if it's true, but that wasn't what happened to me. Um, I just was building a, a, a following, I suppose, on social media, um, I was doing a lot of kind of gigs up and down the country for free just to just build myself a fan base at the time. Um, and it got a lot of attention. And one of the people who must have seen it was a was a psycho scout. Um, psycho being Simon Cow's uh, company, not like psycho. <laughs> yeah, not, they're just mental. I mean, uh, I mean, I can say it. Are they that different? <laughs> <laughs> no comment. Um, but yeah, so they uh, they basically got in touch and said, look, um, we'd really like you to come and audition. And I actually said no four times um, and they kept asking. And in the end, I auditioned. They are fucking relentless. 
these people that try and get you to go on TV shows. Like I'm not tooting my own horn or anything, but when I done Big Brother, I fully applied, fully said anything, but there must be a thing somewhere where you said like, tick here to give your information away. I got hounded by the circle for about two and a half years. And then for about eight months now, this woman from Naked Attraction keeps phoning me and trying to get me to go on <laughs> Naked Attraction. And I really don't want to go on Naked Attraction. Trying to get your crazy bus out on, uh, on Naked Attraction. I remember I told my mom and she was like, please don't. Like, please, like we could have dealt with you going on Big Brother and making a fanny of yourself. I could do But that. no. I honestly, I don't know how people do that. No, me neither. Yeah, well, so I, had, I still had to do every single audition. And uh, so I did, but because I left it so late to say, yes, I'm going to give it a go. I had to do all my auditions in one day. So I was there from like five o'clock in the morning um, and I had to do three rounds of producers auditions before I got through and went into the judges audition. Um, and it was knackering. <laughs> I was so tired. I, see, this is what I don't understand, right? And I get it because I audition quite a lot because acting and stuff. Why did they make you do three rounds of producer auditions when like they could have just watched you do it once? Uh, because there's more than one set of producers. There's so many producers behind the, the um, show. To me, that's just stupid, though. Could have had them all on one panel. Yeah, they could have just went, hey, I know it's not ideal, but we're interested in this guy. We've asked him to come on. Can you just quickly pop into room B? Do you know what? I, I, I've told that story a million times and nobody else has ever picked up on that. They could have just put them all in one room and gone, look, do we all like this guy or do we not? Yeah, <laughs> it's... That just in my head, it's just like, it's part of the, when I think about that, that's part of the sight games that people, producers play. Yes. Well, there's a lot, there's a lot of that that was on the X Factor. A lot of it. Fun. Uh, no, not. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I did want to ask, because um, I've looked and I don't think anybody that's ever been on the show has ever spoke about this. So Louis Walsh was your mentor and nobody's ever spoke really about the mentor contestant relationship is that a role that is purely for the show or does it carry on after you've left the show 100 for the show and it's not all it seems on the show I, I, i'm wanting to ask you to uh like go on with that but i mean um, it, I, I haven't spoken to louis walsh since the day i left the show and i when we were on the show he was there for us in front of the cameras saying what he thought the public would want him to say to us um but to be honest not much else all of my uh producer meetings where i'd sit and have a, a meeting with the, the 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 music team and stuff about what song i was going to sing that week and everything i had on my own so me and them without louis um and then louis would come in for the bit where it was filmed and say right so i, I think we should sing this song and you you'd go oh like yeah yeah great like but yeah i had massive arguments with the music team about the songs that they were asking me to sing because every week they would go right pick up to eight songs that fit this category or you think fit this category and obviously as an artist whether you you know whether you're an artist for, for a year or for, for 10 years you know what kind of songs suit you so i picked songs that i you know thought would give me a good shot and then one i mean so one week i think it's the week i went out actually but i had uh i don't know six hours right with the music team about the fact that I had chosen eight different songs for this week and they said, no, no we th think you should sing one of these two. And it was Kids in America by Kim Wilde <laughs> or uh, Faith by George Michael. Both of them, I was like, absolutely not. Yeah. I do not want to sing either. Um, the other argument that I was having with them at the time was the fact that um, Luke Friend had 
uh, been allowed to use his guitar from like day one. And I, before the X Factor, had been using my guitar like for every other gig I'd I'd ever done. And I was like, you know, I write music with my guitar. I I, I play guitar, I'm a guitarist. And I was like, why why can he do it and I can't? I was like, I want to I want to show like some other sides to me, you know, to other strings to my bow, if you like. And and they were like, well, you know, no, we 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 think that that's like more Luke's thing. And and I was like, like who are you to decide that? Like yeah. you know, and. Um, so we had that that discussion. I said, right. I said, look, I'll sing one of these songs. I said, as long as you let me play the guitar with it. At first they said no, but I picked the, the one of the two that I thought would suit the guitar best, which was Faith. I then went and rehearsed it like mad in my room on the guitar because I brought my guitar with me. And they didn't know I'd rehearsed it. And they said no, said no, said no, said no. And then on Saturday, on Friday, I can't remember how it worked now, but basically the rehearsal day, they said, um, look, if you do it with your guitar on stage now and nail it and we can't say, no, this was wrong or that was wrong, then we'll have no choice but to let you use your guitar. So obviously having practiced it, got up there, bang, nailed it. Okay, so they went, all right, we'll let you, we'll let you use your guitar. But two things to, to bear in mind. First one is that you have a click track in your ear. So you've got these in-ears, these little headphones, right? So that keeps you in time with the music. The other thing is that what they did very tactically was filmed me on the day that it was going out, speaking to Simon, who was not Simon Cow, um, Simon, who was the head of uh, the music team at, 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 at Psycho. And he was saying to me, look, we've said you can use your guitar. If you use it, it's down to you. Um, it's at your own risk, right? And I'm going, yeah, that's fine. They played that bit just before. I came on stage. So the back doors open, you know, how they do like from the middle. Yeah. And I came, I came down onto the stage and I was waiting for the click track in my ear and I had had it for the rehearsals and it mm. didn't happen. It didn't, didn't play. And the song started without the click track. So I was out of time. And at the end of the, uh, at the end of the performance, Gary Barley turns around and goes, well, he said, we did tell you that I can't do the accent. He said, we did tell you, <laughs> he said that, uh, <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, he said, we did tell you that that you should uh, you shouldn't have taken the risk, and obviously it didn't pay off because you went out of time. So, <laughs> yeah, I get that, and you you hear a lot. I pulled out my at the time. I pulled them out and went, yeah, but <laughs> yeah, I said, we click track in all of the rehearsals, and I have I, and it didn't come on for that song, mm. and um, obviously Twitter went absolutely berserk, um, but. Funnily enough, that week I went. You hear a lot about from like when just people do interviews and things that the first rule of these reality TV shows are that you are making a TV show first and it's a competition second. Do you think maybe your hesitation to follow their every word and be a, a puppet in the song choices that you were making? Do you think that's maybe why you didn't make it as far? I, it, I'm not in a position to tell you why I didn't make it as far because that's that, you know, I'm not a judge. Um, and I'm not the public. So, I, you know, if it was up to me, I'd have voted for myself every time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I do believe that they wished that I would have been more cooperative at times. Um, having said that, I, I I feel personally like I was very cooperative, but I also feel like I'm somebody that, okay, I'll pick my battles. Like, yeah, I'll go with it, go with it, go with it. Okay, no, this one I'm not happy with. Like. Yeah. You know, and then I'll fight for that. And then, which is why we ended up having that argument. And I was so angry, man. I, I bear in mind, I was immature and 19. I was so angry. And I, I went backstage, I punched the wall. Um, and I, the next 
uh, bit of footage of me was an extra factor of um, Caroline Flack and, and Matt Richardson. And I was standing there the whole time holding my hand because it was bright red and swollen. And I was like, ow! <laughs> but yeah, but was good. I was just fuming. But hey. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I completely get that. What what happens, like, see, when they say, Sam, you're going home, what's the first thing that happens? You cry. Okay. <laughs> is, is there, like... Um, I guess what I'm trying to touch upon is that you were on the X Factor before there were really stringent rules about safeguarding contestants' mental health. And that's only really been something that's been massively prevalent in the past couple of years, really with the success of Love Island. And that's what I sort of wanted to touch on because I, I remember at the time I was sort of new to social media and you just very quickly blew up. It wasn't a very gradual thing. It was It was an overnight thing that, like, I remember being in Glasgow at the time, working for Specsavers, and I remember you were doing a gig because I, spoiler alert for my old manager at Specsavers, I used to bin the leaflets and go and sit in George Square for the four hours. And I remember, I'd just scroll through Twitter, and I remember all of a sudden, so clear as day, seeing a herd, because the Queen Street station's right there on George Square, a herd of, like, must have been 20 girls, all running across George Square. I was like, what the fuck's happening? So, was I in a train? No, you were a, you were in the classic grand. It was like you and a couple of the X Factor people, I think. I promise I'm not a stalker that just remembers random moments of my life that are intertwined with you. George Square's not next to the classic grand, is it? Am I no, confusing but myself? that's like the train station that's closest. So you've got Central, oh, I... Central Station and Glasgow Queen Street. So if you're coming from like... Central Station really provides sort of trains out of Scotland, whereas Queen Street is your Edinburgh outer-lying areas. And I just remember, yeah, but like I said, I promise I'm not some sort of stalker that just has a moment in my life that's interlinked with you for everything. But I remember going on social media, and it was all sort of, you'd obviously been retweeting things, and I think Nicholas McDonald was there as well. I can't really remember. Um, But yeah, I remember just seeing people running, and like when I say running, I'm talking about like full scale sprinting across the city because there's a chance to meet someone that was on the X Factor. Was there anything? Well, not just because you were on the X Factor, because you're a musician as well. I worded that slightly wrong. Was there ever anything done to like safeguard you guys from like mental health? Um, no. All the hate um, that on Twitter. We were so it's, right. So you can make your own judgments about it. Um, I think it's very difficult. Like, like they do everything to cover themselves. So we had technically a therapist whilst we were on the show when we were on the show, but I felt like with every bone in my body, like, like talking to that individual made me feel more nervous, more like much worse. Um, and just the way that, that, that she spoke to us. And they also had Reiki ladies. Do you know what Reiki is? Yeah. It's like chakras and that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, but so, but the regulators were really nice. I got, I, I actually got on with them really well, and I spoke to them more than I spoke to the therapist. Mm-hmm. And I made, I don't know, I made, I think I made the mistake of telling somebody quite high up that the regulators were really helping me, and that week they got sacked. Oh, for fuck's sake! <laughs> so, um, so that was a shame, but, um. After the show, so I, I got voted out. I, got, I was obviously like upset and stuff. And um, I went and collected my things, said bye to everybody. And I walked into the canteen at the back of the, uh, the studios, and which is always full, um, you know, absolutely rammed when, at the end of a show. And 
I got a standing ovation as I walked in. And one of the guys who worked there, he said, he said, I've worked here 10 years. He said, and that has never happened. And I, I, I don't think it was because of my performing, but I, I just got on with everybody. I was just yeah, like, I just re- at the time when I was on the show, I just really got on with everyone. And it was probably one of the most things on the X Factor that I'm the most proud of. And it was, wasn't documented anywhere. Mm. It was just the fact that like, I knew that that hadn't happened in the whole time that they'd been doing it. And, you know, it was, it was really nice. And, but that made me feel really good. It made me, I guess it made me feel like I don't, I don't a good job. Like I never, yeah. I never thought I would get to the live shows. I never, you know, had in my head, I was going to win the X Factor. That was not my plan. I literally, I was doing countless, what, what at the time was twit cams and live streams and, um, you know, gigs across the country to try and build a profile. And as far as I was concerned, me going on the X Factor, even if I just got to like the boot camp stages, you I might grow a few followers like that was how it was in my head I was like you know it's just a little platform and the further it got obviously the further I wanted to get but yeah again it it was a it was a platform so I was quite good at coming out of it and going you know what done all right like I know that I have not got the strongest voice so I definitely didn't then my my voice has actually grown since since I was on the X Factor probably settled because I got a bit older but you know when I was going up against like Sam Bailey and that I was like mate I'm <laughs> <laughs> how, how am I supposed yeah. to compete like her you know and so for me coming out of the show I was like you know what I've got quite a strong head on me quite a you know level-headed head and I, I was like you know what you've done all right you've you know you've done good here and that that really helps I've got a great support for like around me with my family um but for those who haven't got that no um there isn't really any support um for well there wasn't at the time any support for for, for going out into the public eye and stuff and it's nuts i mean i i, I what i thought you were just talking about was I, I went to um glasgow one time and we were me and my dad were in a coffee shop on um buchanan street um just above st george's square i think it is you know the bit yeah. that's like high up on the escalators and that and um oh you're in the buchanan galleries yeah and it looks across i think to either jd sports or office or something yeah something like and that. uh and I, I said to my dad, I said, I really want to buy a new pair of trainers. I was like, I'm just going to um, go down there and, uh, and pop across the road. And he was like, and because we just, you know, this was like in the first week after the X Factor and he'd come to this gig with me. And he was like, yeah, yeah, no worries. So I walked out, walked across. By the time I'd walked from that side of the road to the shop, the security from the shop was out. The whole street was blocked with people trying to take photos and stuff. I was on my own and my dad saw it out the window and was like, shit. So he's... Uh, he's like come downstairs and like tried to help me, but he couldn't get to me. He was literally looking at me like, what yeah, do I he's, do? He's and in I was the like, crowd too for a selfie. Yeah, I was, uh, but, but genuinely like people knew my family because of social media and stuff. So that would happen. You know, you'd have girls go, Mark, can I have a picture with Sam's dad? Like, and he was like, I'm just trying to look after him. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, got to the point where the police came and had to disperse everybody. Um, and, I had to be let out. I had to be like kept into in in the the shoe shop uh, for the for long enough for them to disperse everybody before I could leave. Yeah, he's not coming out. Go away. Um, yeah, and it happened. You know, it happened overnight. Like you say, it was literally nuts. And I remember, um, you know, countless times like that. And I think it's really strange. I th- I, I I think that you know that is a crazy thing to deal with and for somebody who's not got a strong mind i reckon it's probably quite tough to deal with yeah because because the next question i want to ask you and feel free to decline to answer 
because I know I did it when I was doing my psych test for Big Brother. Did you lie to them? Because I did. Psych test? Yeah, like when you go to Big Brother and you have to go and see a psychiatrist and make sure that you are mentally stable enough to be going through this. But at this point, I've spent like 500 quid on just going to auditions. I've spent so much money getting ready for auditions, like new outfit every time. At this point, I can't tell you, yeah, I'm a bit mentally fragile for you to put me out of the running because I've spent so much money. If I'm honest with you, the only thing that's ever made me, the only time that I've ever started to become mentally fragile was as a result of The X Factor. I wasn't, I was absolutely solid as a rock before that as a teenager. Um, so no, I didn't lie. Um, but I'll tell you what, what I think is the hardest part and the bit that there isn't support for. And I don't think it's any fault of the X Factors or other shows alike, um, is that when you come off, there is this unwavering pressure that you put on yourself to keep up. Mm. And what I mean by that is like, is is success-wise, is, um, you know, l- like facade-wise with this this front that everybody, everybody thinks that you know, when you come out the X Factor, I went to a gig, a school gig, so I was performing at a school and I turned up in a pickup truck that I had which I think I paid about a thousand pounds for um and at the time I, you know my career wasn't going very well it's gone yeah. up and down over the year and uh and his <laughs> kids come up to me and he was like God, he said I thought you he went disappointed in he was like I thought you'd be driving a Ferrari I was like I wish mate I said if you think it's disappointing I was like let me tell you yeah. I'm more disappointed you are but but there is this thing about um, coming off of TV, coming off of a, a, a show, and everybody just thinks you're rich and famous and life is cushy for you and everything's, you know, sunshine and rain- rainbows. And it isn't. That's not how mm. life works. Um, it, if anything, like, you know, the, the, the mental strain of putting yourself... In, I know you put yourself in that position, but nobody, don't care who you are, can prepare for it. Everybody goes, yeah, but you put yourself there. Okay, right. Like, if you're saying that, you have no idea of the kind of yeah. strains in your mental health, and um, yeah, and you don't you don't know that, and you just put yourself in it. You go right. Well, I want to, you know, th- I think this is what I want, so I'm going to go for it, and I want to be successful in my music because mm-hmm. I love my music, and then all these pressures mount up and become really stressful. And they're, they're, I won't name any names, but there's a particular individual who. Um, who was on uh, a reality TV show uh, and lives near me or lived near me um, who has now gone to prison for 14 years um, because he basically started selling drugs. <laughs> but the reason I think he, he did it was in my opinion is because what he was yeah. doing wasn't actually paying him enough to be able to keep up the front that he felt he needed to keep up um, for people to, you know, to meet everybody's expectations after the after the platform that he'd come off of on on television, and you know, the, I know for you know from personal experience, the pressure to do so is is huge. Mm. Um, so I think that is where reality TV is missing a trick. Um, I want to ask you one more question about the X Factor, and I feel like you may have answered it, but the show is called Reality TV on Record. But what was one moment? that didn't get recorded that you wish would have been. And I feel like it's going to be the standing ovation. Yes. Yeah. I think it would have been, well, yeah, I think it would have been. Um, I also think that they should uh, televise the X Factor tour. Cause that was awesome. That for me was the, 
the most amazing part of the whole yeah. experience. So that would have been cool. I think, um, I think, yeah, that you know, there was a couple of nice bits like that, that were, were recorded. Um, they recorded a lot. I won't lie, they, you know, even if it wasn't on telly, it was on the we had Talk Talk YouTube channel um, at the time. So I mean, there was there was a lot that was recorded. I think, yeah, there would have been there was a couple of nice bits that I wish would have been recorded. And then there's, uh, you know, there's the things that I. I don't even some some things I'm not even sure of some things you know that that happened that maybe weren't so great for me um you kind of wish because then the public would have a real idea of everything that goes on so it's uh you know it's uh, for me it's always been a double-edged sword the x factor I'm more grateful for it than I am ungrateful I suppose um and it's because it's given me a career you know I've, I've had a career for the last eight years in music um and not to say I wouldn't have had a career otherwise in music, but it has definitely given me a platform and and raised the bar for me. So I can't really complain in that in that sense. Um, but you know, and and for that reason, I always say you know it's it's not a case of like I'm bitter and twisted, but because mm. you know, so I've done all right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there are there are things about it that I do think could definitely have been improved and and maybe were less than uh, you know. We're, we're not, not great about it. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's an emotional roller coaster for me. So staying on the vein of reality TV, uh, I, I was doing some reading last night, and this is going to be the last reality TV question I ask you, and then we're going to talk about some of the fun stuff. There's been a lot of rumours regarding your involvement in other reality TV shows across the year, mainly X on the Beach and Celebrity Big Brother. And I couldn't find definitive answers as to whether, because it was all like, could Sam Callahan be joining Celebrity Big Brother as Mystery Star drops out? Are there any truth to those rumours? Both of them um, I had conversations about, but it wasn't a whole lot more than that, to be dead honest. So, I mean, the X on the Beach was, Christ, probably five or six years ago um, that I had a meeting about that. But I decided it wasn't for me. And then I was in a relationship for like four years. So, yeah, so that, that didn't happen. And then and the ex, uh, the, the, ex the, the uh, Celebrity Big Brother one um, was possible. And I think it was me and a few other people they were, they were looking at um, possibly bringing in. And I think they bring, bring somebody else in, to be honest. But um, the other thing about it for me is that I started in reality tv if you like on the x factor because what i wanted to do was music yeah um i i love music and i love writing and i love creating music as an art uh but i i don't know that i want to go and be a reality tv be on telly yeah i don't know it's not my you know i get why people would do it and if you if you have this uh, if you have either something like, you know, something else that you want to launch that, that you want a platform for, or if you want to, you just want to be famous, which, you know, is fine, you know, great. But that wasn't my goal. I never, my goal was never just to be famous. My goal was to, to be a successful music artist and to tour and to gig and to have my own fan base. And, you know, what I did on the X Factor gave me that. Yeah. Um, going on, on, celebrity big brother and stuff okay so it might give me some more tabloid press and bits and bobs but i don't know that it would i don't know that it would it would be a massive improvement to everything that i was already doing do you know, do you know yeah, what i mean so 100 that's my my authentic answer i suppose that's how i feel about it <laughs> yeah but over the past two years it's really funny that you've just spoke about your main one of your main passions and now i'm about to talk about the one that you didn't talk about 
Um, over the past couple of years, we've got to be, we've been able to follow your journey into the motorsport world while we've sort of, because you've had a real captive audience. It's been great, isn't it? Like everybody sat at home. They will do whatever you want them to do. What has it been like trying to deal with a pandemic, being a performer who can't perform and then going back to being a performer, doing your personal training qualifications, all of it's really what we were talking about at the beginning. How has it been juggling all of these things? Being like, I'm going to go and drive cars and race them as well. Absolute chaos. Um, so I, I need to kind of break it down. So I, I, I've had a music career for, you know, eight years or more. If you know, the couple of years before that were, were pretty, you know, <laughs> saturated with, with music stuff. So, yeah. um, and then the pandemic hit and the year literally like three months before the pandemic hit i decided off my own you know bat to go i'm gonna go and get a qualification in personal training the reason is everybody in my family has got qualification um and has something i guess like to fall back on and for me i like you know i bought my own apartment and i i I had a you know career that was going all right and stuff but i i just felt i never really had that something to fall back on if i needed it so i thought you know what i love going to the gym i love training it might be just a smart thing to do to go and go and you know get get this qualification so i did it all of a sudden the pandemic hit and i went okay there's no gigs um well now i'm a personal trainer (laughs) yeah Um, so that's pretty much how that happened um and that is one of those things that you know at the end of the pandemic i've gone well i'll just carry on training people and do my gigs as well (laughs) yeah Um, so just add one more job to the day yeah um the 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 motorsport thing was kind of it's it's different it was it's becoming something that i'm now doing professionally but it was always a hobby it was not it wasn't okay well i'm gonna you know i'm gonna add another career like it just didn't come out it was that wasn't the plan no that wasn't the plan uh you know I, a bit like I said earlier, when I do things, I don't tend to do them by halves. I throw my all into everything I do. And I've done the same with this. Um, I am somebody, I mean, I started racing with my dad three years ago um, in a car that we own. Um, and we we race together uh, just at amateur level, club level. Um, and I'm obsessive and I want to win. And I'm extremely stubborn and competitive and determined. And so because of that, I was looking at all the YouTube videos, working out, uh, working out where, where the faster drivers, you know, are breaking and changing gear and, and hitting the apexes and, and basically making the, the fastest laps possible. Um, and I was looking at all of that before every race and, you know, amateur level within my, I think my second race, I came second. Um, within my first season, I had like a, you know, a good few podiums and it just all kind of fell into place. And the other thing is, is uh, where is in music, it's very much there's a lot of how can I put it manipulation and corruption and stuff in the business and it, it, it it's it's not necessarily just about how hard you work you know in 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 motorsport I found it very easy to work hard and then get results um, yeah. and then to also to network I'm you know I'm quite a friendly chatty person and and I found it really easy to network so I've grown a a network in the motorsport industry very quickly and yeah so I, I've, I've raced you know and then I started racing for a charity series uh, for uh, it's the uh, the calm trophy which is um, campaign against living miserably mental health charity so I raced for that for a year um, and then in the last year um, I've been talking to some of my more higher profile friends in, in motorsports so you know professional racing drivers about what the next steps could be for me uh, and I got 
approached by a couple of teams who said, look, if you could raise the sponsorship, we'd love to have you and we'd love to have you race for our team. So that's kind of how it worked. And, and, and now I'm all of a sudden find myself thoroughly in the deep end um, of one of the highest motorsport, like levels of motorsport in the UK. <laughs> yeah, because um, I was doing my reading last night and I didn't realise how much work was expected of the driver, which I suppose is quite ignorant because all you ever hear people say is that acting isn't a real job. Um, but I didn't realise that you had to go out and source the sponsorship yourself and do yeah. all of that. How is that going and how can people get involved? Okay, so it's going all right. Could always be going better. Um, pretty much 50% of new pro drivers uh, start their first season with 50% or less of their of their season and, and hopefully it improves as you go. Um, so so I'm, I'm one of those, but I, I'm doing all right. And I, I have to, yeah, there is a lot that you have to do as a racing driver it's, it's a full-time thing um and i know a lot of racing drivers professional drivers that do nothing else other than race sponsorship i'm not one of those i do lots of different things and also try and juggle this um <laughs> which is why i don't really sleep glutton for punishment yeah but uh so the, the way that people can get involved if you're if you're a business if you're you know you have a company there's a lot of things that i so i spent the last two years whilst i was doing club racing knowing that I probably want to push this at some point. Um, I, I did a, a course on uh, motorsport marketing just at home, um, but it's it's taught me a lot. There's a lot that goes into motorsport marketing that can really help businesses. So um, the, cha- the 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 championship that I'm in um, is on ITV4. The, the season runs from May till October throughout the year, and we get a viewership over the course of a year of about 19 million people. We have a, a, a live attendance figures of about 400,000 people. And the other thing I do is corporate days. So I take some of my sponsors, their companies, uh, whether it's with their employees or their clients to uh, race circuits. We give them tuition, driving a racing car. And then at the end of the day, um, basically scare the life out of them in in, with some hot laps. So they're in the passenger seat. Um, So, uh, you know, and we do we do hospitality at the race days and those race days are. um, So we're with a support series for the British Touring Car Championship, which under Formula One in the UK is the highest level of motorsport. Yeah. So. those are awesome days they you know they're across the full weekend and we do hospitality with food and everything else uh for our sponsors as well um so you can get involved obviously by getting in touch um every every sponsorship package for every different company is different because different companies want different things but essentially for probably the the most part the people that are going to listen to this if they wanted to get involved i have got on my i've got like a big cartel page um, that you can reach through my instagram the link will also be down in the show notes below another link thank you very much um <laughs> follow yeah, them genuinely is, um, like, as i'm editing i've got to keep track of everything that i need to link my socials his socials yeah yeah um no so 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 what i'm doing is trying to you know trying to allow people the, the opportunity to get involved and um we're gonna get uh people's names so whether it's yours uh a loved ones um or in memory of somebody on the racing car so uh, I think it's either going to be on the rear wing or the roof, but we are, you pay a hundred pounds to get your name on the, on the, on the racing car. Um, and that is, you know, you get two tickets to the races. So if you want to come with a friend um, or, you know, your spouse or whatever, come down, be a part of it, have a picture with your name on the racing car um, and yeah, have two tickets and a, you know, a full day at the races. So it's a, uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, I think it's a mega opportunity for a hundred pounds and, um, and it really helps me uh, for everybody that gets involved. So, a question that I have decided I want to ask in this series, just because I'm a nosy bastard, is 
who is the most famous person you've got in your contact list? Harry Styles. <laughs> All right. I don't know if it would still be his number. Yeah. I don't talk to him. Yeah. Um, I, I've got a I'm couple honest, of numbers I that I don't. Harry Styles' number. Yeah, I've got numbers in there that they're like, you've got their number. And I'm like, yeah, I've never texted them, though. They just gave me it once. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've met Harry Styles a handful of times, but I still think if I texted him, he'd probably be like, who? <laughs> yeah. I remember, I don't normally drink. And I um, this is sort of just doing the podcast and having, I've got quite a few actors' phone numbers in my, my phone book. And I got drunk this New Year's Eve. And I remember waking up the next day, didn't care about anything else. I just looked at my phone and went, please don't have texted or rang anyone. Please don't have done anything stupid. I didn't, thank fuck. But yeah, that was my like worry. I was like, imagine. Um, but the next, the last thing that I want to talk about, because we're coming to the, the end of the podcast now, is your latest single, Back to Gold, and it's available to stream, download, and buy on all major platforms. Now, again, links down below. Um, so I'm kind of putting together a production at the moment, and I know how hard it is to do things while we're living in this two meter distance sort of life, how hard has it been or how liberating has it been to have been producing music throughout this time? Difficult. Um, I have had a backlog of a couple of songs, which has been really helpful. The only thing that was tough was getting them mastered, but I actually just end up sending it off to master engineers through like WeTransfer and they, they do it and kind of send it back, which which is quite handy, you know, yeah, still, you know, getting music videos done and, and, and releasing anyway is, is, is tough and time consuming and a lot of work, but I, I always enjoy it. Whenever I put, you know, new music out, it's, it's good. It's rewarding to me and it, it, it feels good because I like writing the music, you know? So I think if you're proud of something and you've, you've worked hard for something for it to then be shown to everybody is, is yeah. a good feeling. we come to the end of the podcast now. Where can everyone keep up to date with what you're doing on social media and everything like that, your music? So uh, I'm on everything. So TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, um, Instagram. So uh, on most things, on most platforms, I am at It's Sam Callahan. On uh, Twitter, though, it's at Callahan Music underscore. Um, and then if you were more interested in the, the motorsport side of everything that I do um, on Instagram, that is at Sam Callahan Motorsport. So go check it out. And just a reminder, because I know lots of people don't like to do the shameless merch plugs, you can get Sam's merch at samcallahanmerch.bigcartel.com. And again, as per usual, all the links are down below in the show notes and you can follow me on social media if you're really interested don't know why you would be at ingram noble it's all one word uh, that's on everything because I, I used to have all different usernames and then realized probably wasn't a good idea yeah, the, only, the only reason my twitter one never changed is because apparently you lose your verified tick uh, i uh, see i don't have to worry that. about that <laughs> thank you so much for coming on and thank you for being the very first guest on reality tv on record because i'm not gonna lie i was a bit bricking it it's new podcast new format and i was a bit like fuck if this fails no problem at all um no thank you for having me it's been great yes thank you so much and remember everybody listening go and follow all of the social medias down below and make sure to go and give sam some money for his motorsport um sponsorship <laughs> and thank if you, you if you fancy just message me and i'll give you my paypal and you can give me money for nothing um i, I don't have anything cool going on <laughs> Um, but I will let you get back to normal life. Thank you so much for coming on. All right, mate. Thank you so much. I'll speak to you soon. Bye-bye. And there we have it, the very first episode of Reality TV on Record with me, your host, Ingram Noble, and Sam Callahan. Make sure to come back next Friday for your weekly dose of Reality TV on Record.